When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following podcast contains explicit language. We have to start by building a wall. I'm not going to pay for that wall. And the wall just got 10 feet taller. I mean, everything is negotiable. It's not negotiable about building said, it. I actually said, no, building it, not negotiable. It's not negotiable. If they ever get up there, they're in trouble. Because there's no way to get down. Maybe a rope. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the man whose checkable facts are untrue 63% of the time, Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. That's according to the Washington Post. 14% of Hillary Clinton's statements were rated factually untrue, but voters see Trump as the more truthful candidate by a wide margin. So if you listen to this show, you know how catastrophic I think a Trump victory would be. But I found someone who's even more dire about the prospect of a Trump presidency than I am. He's Martin Wolf of the Financial Times, and he's probably the most influential economic journalist in the world. He wrote a recent piece in the FT called How the West May Soon Be Lost. In it, he writes, the election of Donald Trump would mark the end of a U.S.-led West as the central force in global affairs. I'll be back to talk to him right after we do the tweets. Look at the way Crooked Hillary is handling the email case and the total mess she's in. She is unfit to be president. Bad judgment. Wow. Now leading in at ABC, at Washington Post poll, 46 to 45, gone up 12 points in two weeks mostly before the Crooked Hillary blow-up. Crooked Hillary Clinton deleted 33,000 emails after they were subpoenaed by the United States Congress. Guilty, cannot run, rigged system. So terrible that Crooked didn't report. She got the debate questions. From Donna Brazil, if that were me, it would have been front page news. You can change your vote in six states. So now that you see that Hillary was a big mistake, change your vote to make America great again. My guest today is Martin Wolf. He's an associate editor and the chief economics commentator at the Financial Times. Martin, thanks for joining me on the show. 
It's a pleasure. So you wrote a piece last month about Trump that was uh, downright Spanglerian, talking about the decline of the West as a, as a consequence of a, po- a possible consequence of a Trump election, which, of course, is far from assured, but seems more possible now than it did even a week ago. Why are you so gloomy about the prospects of, how can I say it, for civilization if Trump wins? Well, this functions at uh, several levels. Um Start with the more immediate uh, effects and the more obvious ones and then the deeper ones. Mr. Trump's policies representing in very, very important ways, and just focusing here on actual policy rather than the meaning of him as a personality, which I think is also very important. Mm -hmm. Uh, But his policies have focused on his uh, and very significantly on his hostility towards trade and towards the way the international economy has been run and at a, even a deeper level at the obligations that the United States has assumed over the years as part of the entire uh, system it created, led and created since the Second World War. The most obvious examples of that are in trade with China, where he seems to be strongly suggesting that he might essentially oppose unilaterally tariffs or some other forms of penalty for uh, what he sees as its uh, irresponsible and improper behavior. The essence of the system we have is that there are agreements which bind actually pretty well all the countries in the world, including all the important ones. These agreements were promoted by the United States, which imply commitments to mutual uh, treatment in accordance with agreements and rules about how you can change what you're doing. What he suggests is basically would to take a coach and horses through all this. And if the United States, the architect of the system, basically reputes it, repudiates it, then the system in large part is gone. It would lead, I think, more specifically here to some forms of retaliation by China, possibly others, and a very considerable area of economic conflict and economic uncertainty affecting the two most important powers in the world. So this is just in the trade area alone is a very, very significant issue. Now, going beyond this, I think the the bigger thing, and I don't want to go further into this, is the United States has put forward, you know, the, the fundamental plank of its of its involvement in the world. It's been the the dominant power in the world since Pearl Harbor, really. The idea that it's promoting democracy and the rule of law, uh, a fundamentally anti-authoritarian position. Now, of course. In its behavior around the world, it has often, alas, supported anti-democratic regimes. I think it's made terrible mistakes, in, as is, of course, almost inevitable. But Mr. Trump has made put forward ideas and about criminalizing uh, newspapers, about uh, what he should do to his opponent, whom he calls Crooked Hillary, which are really all autocratic, authoritarian, abuse of power ideas of the most profound nature. They, they're really a, a repudiation, I think, of the values that we associate with the US. If that were to happen, I think this would be seen as the destruction by the most important player in the world of 
basically a belief in the liberal democratic order. It will be a repudiation by the United States itself of the liberal democratic order that it promoted. That's a world transforming event. It would end the period of US ideological leadership in the world and put us in a fundamentally different world. So both economically and politically, this could be a a watershed in world history. So let's go into the economic order a little bit further. So you're talking – when you talk about the international economic order, you're talking about the World Bank and the IMF and the World Trade Organization. I haven't heard Trump say much about any of those institutions. Do we just assume he doesn't believe in any of them and would would ignore them, or what? What? What do we? What's his attitude towards this international economic order? I think he said, as far as I know, and I haven't certainly studied all his remarks. Really, nothing that is germane to the World Bank or the IMF. So the implications of that are unknown and are unknowable, except for his comments on debt, which yeah. are known. So what I was focusing on was really trade and the World Trade Organization. I have no idea whether he is aware that what he is suggesting in terms of dealing with China would be a unilateral repudiation of American obligations within the World Trade Organization, Mm -hmm. but it's pretty clear they would be. So uh, implicitly, it amounts to at least a partial repudiation of these obligations and uh, possibly the very fact that he might not be aware of this is itself somewhat disturbing. What we didn't discuss, and because there was limited uh, time at that stage, was uh, also, of course, the implications of his fiscal policies and and his suggestions about the Fed. So there's also a whole set of questions about the sort of possibility of economic chaos from huge fiscal deficits and a new Fed chairman who presumably will be uh, supposed to support uh, these fiscal deficits. So there's another set of yeah. issues. But on the global order, I think at the moment, at least, I will be mostly concerned about the World Tro- Trade Organization. And, and talk about how that might play out with China. People use the phrase a trade war. What would a trade war with China look like? Imagine he comes into office and unilaterally imposes some sort of sanctions on Chinese imports, tariffs that, as you say, are not authorized in the the, uh, World Trade Organization agreements with China. What does China do? Then what happens? How does it play out? That is, I think, extremely interesting question. My own view would be that because China, as is obviously a key part of this, has a large surplus with uh, the United States, it wouldn't retaliate via trade. I'm assuming here that the U.S. takes an action which is extra legal, so the um, Chinese will probably feel that they're entitled to do something similar. The areas in which that they could consider for action are the treatment of the vast number of American companies who have invested very heavily in China. There's far more American foreign direct investment in China than there is at present of Chinese direct investment in America. So that gives them clear leverage. They can um, do quite unpleasant things to these companies, some of which are- To Apple, to IBM, to- Yeah, I mean, they can, some of them- are only, I mean, as I understand it with Apple, uh, the um, 
they wouldn't have large assets. In the case of Apple, of course, they're trying to they are trying to sell important products. So mm -hmm. there, they could retaliate against American sales. Uh, Apple would be an obvious example. They could try and push them all out, all these products out of the market. But they can. There are there are companies that have very large research bases. Intel, I know, does. Uh, lots of others have huge, uh, huge uh, productive bases there uh, for the Chinese market and for world markets, and they can obviously China can do very unpleasant things to these to these companies, and the worst they can expropriate them. Um, China is also continues to be, though I'm not sure whether it would do this, but uh, it continues to have uh, huge um, uh, reserves. Of, sizable part of which are in dollars i think actually in this if mr trump were elected it would be sensible for china in any case simply from a risk aversion point of view to start moving um, um assets out of u.s markets if they can um in fact i would be rather surprised if they aren't doing it already but that's another th area where china can obviously start considering its options beyond that in the longer term, there are, of course, non-economic issues that arise, the South China Sea, and China is clearly involved already in a defense buildup, which, whose aim is very problematic for the US. But I would have thought in the situation where the United States is calling into question the stability of the economic relationship with China, on which China has pinned a great deal mm -hmm. over the years and which has been very important to China, they would bound to be to reconsider the whole range of relationships with the United States and ask themselves, can we have a stable and reasonably manageable and harmonious relationship with the US in future? So as you say, Trump has talked in a massively irresponsible way about the U.S. debt and whether he might repudiate it or try to negotiate a discount on it. He's also proposed fiscal policies that don't make any sense. I mean, it's been estimated by independent sources that his economic plan would add $7 trillion to the national debt. It would be a huge additional deficit. Taking all that into account, what do you think financial markets do in reaction to a Trump victory. I mean, if this happens and we wake up Wednesday of next week and Trump has narrowly won the presidency, what happens to the dollar? What happens to U.S. markets? What happens to international markets? Obviously, we don't know. But what would you worry about? I think that um, it's very difficult to imagine that it's not a sell. Um, now, there is a difficulty here because if you imagine that in the short run, he gets these huge tax cuts through and the Fed doesn't react by tightening monetary policy doesn't or doesn't do much of that. I think that that's a very big question. How would the Fed operate with a Trumpian presidency, which actually, Trump presidency, which actually looks that it will get through a Republican Congress to assume that is the case, a huge tax uh, cut. Um, but you might imagine that there will be a combination of some monetary, monetary tightening and a huge fiscal loosening you might expect that to lead to a stronger dollar other things being equal that's the standard economics and a uh, and a short-term boost to the economy so people might feel well let's st stay in because we've got a short-term 
boost here. There's something, there's a sort of the short run sort of uh, adrenaline shot to this economy. Now, then they will also have to think, and it will depend really on the different players and how their how their market positioning will work, what time horizon they have. They also have to look at the long term. And in the long term, as you rightly say, the combination of what looks an absolutely enormous uh, fiscal expansion um, in a country that has something close to full employment the evidence is not far off it um and is likely under trump to to try and find fairly soon a chairman of the federal reserve who isn't going to make it it difficult so i'm thinking of uh, nixon with arthur burns back in the early 70s um so you've got a non-independent fed chairman a relatively non-independent fed chairman who will support what mr trump wants i think that's what he would go for Uh, i don't think any respectable economist would want to be in this position so i fear they will say this is a country that has got wildly irresponsible fiscal policies, uh, will have wildly irresponsible monetary policies because that's what he wants and might be repudiating all the debt that it is now wanting to issue. And uh, I think sensible people would say this is not a country whose liabilities I want to hold and the reserve status of the US will come into question. And that brings me back to my China discussion. Um, you know, China holds about uh, a quarter of world reserves. Um, But there are lots of other countries that hold reserves, huge number of other countries. And they will all say, and of course, private wealth holders, the dollar is the world currency. And they say this is now being run by someone who makes Richard Nixon look fantastically responsible. (laughs) Then this is a sell. I mean, again, it's a world transforming event because there's nothing that he said, nothing that seems to suggest that he understands the role the U.S. plays in the world economy and the responsibilities that all presidents of all part, both parties have understood for nearly a century. Martin, how much do you correlate Trumpism with Brexit? I mean, it comes out of a very parallel kind of populism, nationalism, uh, antipathy to elites, rejection of expert opinion. I mean, are we really experiencing the same phenomenon that, that you've been living through here in the UK over the past several months? History doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes, as people say. There are obvious differences. Uh, we're not electing an individual leader. Uh, we therefore, the Brexit campaign was, if I may say so, somewhat more civilized than what you've just been going through. <laughs> uh, I mean, that which really sort of is jaw dropping from this side of the Atlantic. Uh, the But of course, many of the people who voted for Brexit are agitated, angry and upset about essentially loss of their position, fear of downward mobility, anxiety about the future, distress about all the foreigners, sense that the elites don't care about them. Uh, Those are very, very similar. Uh, um, uh, But while that's clearly there in the in the public um, dom- domain, as it were, it's very important for Brexit. The political leadership of the country and the likely political leaders are remain, um, with, if I leave aside what's happening with the Labour Party, um, sort of more or less within the limits of what one would think of as reasonable policy. What makes the American election special is that because it's the election of an individual who will have enormous power 
over the world in so many different ways. In fact, more power in some ways over the world than over the United States um, uh, because of the limits within your constitution. It has an has a significance uh, which go, obviously goes far beyond Brexit, even if you're thinking about relatively narrow issues, economics and so forth. Um, and of course, as I've stressed again, and I think this cannot be underlined too strongly, the US is, for fairly obvious reasons, a completely unique player in the world system. And so in the end, Brexit is a little local difficulty, quite a big little local difficulty, but uh, the election of President Trump is a global world, a global game changer. And looking for historical resonances, it's hard not to think about the 1930s and the, the global financial crisis playing the part of a Great Depression provoking this kind of populist, nationalist, anti-immigrant, anti-globalist reaction. I mean, is the 1930s in your mind as a as a parallel to what we're possibly living through right now? Yes. I mean, it's obviously the last period when populism emerged, particularly interestingly, populism of the right, though it's on both sides. Mm. And by the way, we haven't discussed the others. We've looked at Britain and America, but in France, Marine Le Pen, sure. who's, whose party really is rooted in fascism, there's no other word, uh, is a very plausible candidate, at least to get to the second round of the French presidential elections. Some people would have said to me that if Trump is elected in America, that will give carte blanche for people to vote for her. And there are other figures in other in other countries of the right and left. So it's a phenomenon, undoubtedly, um, which has been caused by a combination of things, rising inequality and increasing economic insecurity as a result of that. And then the massive financial crisis. First, there was the shock and can we survive? And then the anger. And I think that's perfectly general in Europe. The Eurozone crisis has exacerbated this. Nonetheless, I think what is surprising in some ways, I'm looking at these parallels, and I'm not trying to give anybody, you know, exculpate anybody. But if you look, for example, at what Germany went through before the diabolically insane decision to elect Hitler, although remember, only a third of the population voted for him before he got into power. But they went through the defeat of World War One. They lost over two million men, if I remember correctly. They had the great hyperinflation of 23 and then the Great Depression. Unemployment reached 25 percent. The trauma in Germany was staggering. What seems to me really amazing, and I still don't fully understand it. If I look at the U.S. today. Yes, life has been difficult. There have been shocks and so forth. But the U.S., has had nothing like the unemployment it had in the 30s. Nothing. I mean, it, it peaked at 10%, while unemployment went to do about a quarter, if I remember, in the 30s. It hasn't had a deflation. Uh, the um, unemployment is back down to low levels. Real incomes are rising again, particularly most recently. It's really quite hard to see why such an extreme reaction in the, and I think it is an extreme reaction, has occurred to what, at least by those historical standards, relatively, relatively, I stress, relatively mild events. So that leads you to ask, well, why has the basic commitment to the political order that we are familiar with proved so fragile now? But the parallels are clearly there. I've been speaking to Martin Wolf. He's the chief economics commentator at the Financial Times. Martin, thanks for talking to me. It's a pleasure. That's it for today's show. Trumpcast is produced by Jason DeLeon. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcast. Andy Bowers is Panoply's chief content officer. And John D. Domenico 
is our voice of Donald Trump. And special thanks today to Ryan Dilley for his help producing the show from London. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. A country that crooked Hillary says funded ISIS also gave Wild Bill. You like that? That's good, Wild Bill. That's good. Like that. like that. That's a good one. You gotta give it to me on that. Gave Wild Bill one million for his birthday. So corrupt.